0: on the screen verse 17 and 18 it says thus thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith without your works and i will show you my faith by my works i know it's probably clear but let me make sure that you understand what the holy spirit through james is addressing you got one group that says well, I got faith. And the other group says, Well, you know, faith and a nickel will get you a cup of coffee. I got works, you know, and and my works are better than your faith. And and they're looking at it as an either or situation. And James says it's 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 not one or the other, it's both and. And he says, I will show you my faith, which is something that's in the heart, by my works, by the things that I do. The Weymouth translation says faith without corresponding action is dead. And I really like that translation of this because he's talking about a co- or related response. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 13 gives us insight into this and says this, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke we also believe and therefore speak. So we see that the faith or the believing must come first and then the corresponding action, which in this case, in Second Corinthians 4 and 13, the corresponding action is a faith confession or speaking out of the mouth what is already believed in the heart. And this is extremely important because this is how a man or a woman is born again. Now as we build on this we see that it's works are something that we do because of faith, something that we believe, not as a substitute for faith. Works can never be a substitute for faith, and works can never be an a, you know a compensation for doubt. So one one more time, I have believed, therefore I have spoken. Now We've also said by way of review that a one-dimensional approach to receiving from God has conditioned us for visual confirmation and has trained us to work harder when results aren't coming fast enough. And in the course of our study, we've talked about different ways that we can be tempted to or lured That's what the Bible says temptation is. It's being enticed or drawn off of the correct path by some other desire, some other um, method or approach. And even when it comes to our operating by faith, there can be an enticing. And we've said that a lot of times we feel enticed to try to make up for weak, and wavering faith by more effort, by by trying harder. And we've and we've used the word to compensate. And this is you know, this idea of you know compensating for weakness in one area by plugging something else in is part of the human experience. It's 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 something that we do all the time in our lives, from uh, you know simple things to uh, you know more creative things. Or even we look at someone who may be disabled in one of their physical senses. Let's say someone has lost their sense of sight; they compensate for that by learning to read with their sense of touch. Where we So when we say compensate, we're talking about taking one thing and trying to make up for some lack, uh, you know, in in another area or or in another thing. And this is what we mean when we say a one-dimensional approach. Remember, this is when we look at receiving from God as if we're only physical beings, which we know that we are three-dimensional beings, not a one-dimensional being. And so the point, again, is a one-dimensional approach to receiving has conditioned us for visual confirmation. In other words, with a one-dimensional approach, we do not believe we have received until we see it, until we hold it in our hands. But remember, that's not how faith works. Faith believes we have already received before we see it. And then this next part has trained us to work harder when results aren't coming fast enough. This is where we get lured into trying to make up for, compensate for, weak and wavering faith by human effort. Now, let's talk about this, and this is review, but I want to add something to this tonight, so let's go back over it again. Praying, confessing, fasting, seeking, studying, giving, hearing, serving, obeying, and faithfully attending are all wonderful Christian disciplines. I highly recommend all of these and ones that aren't on the list to you and these disciplines will potentially lead to other world or other worldly progress and results in our lives and while all of these things are extremely important and powerful they are not a substitute for genuine faith now as we work our way through this we're going to look at a verse in the new testament that talks about the spirit versus the letter And that principle is saying, don't just nitpick the verbiage, but hear the heart behind what's being said. I'm not telling you, stop praying. That would be the most foolish, ridiculous thing I could say to you. Stop praying. But Jesus, in his greatest lesson on prayer in Matthew, the sixth chapter, he said, Do not think you will be heard for your many words. Do not think that your prayer will be answered simply because you asked enough times. Now, this is where we need to be led by the Spirit. This is where we need to understand what real praying is is about and and, and what it's like and and praying and believing and settling it. Uh, Because if, if we don't understand these things, we will try to compensate for weak and wavering faith by just asking over and over and over and over again, are you seeing this? We, we, we will try to, because praying is something that we can do. Speaking massive volumes of words into the atmosphere is something that we can do. And there's a mindset that exists in a lot of people that we may be struggling and, and, and wavering and weak in faith, but we're going to make up for that by not only praying ourselves, but we're going to get people praying in 42 churches, in three countries, in uh, we're going to put it on social media because surely if we get enough people to ask, God will hear and answer. When Jesus already said, the answer is not based upon how many word count prayers are prayed. So, this is one of those areas that, you know, I'm trying to help you see. The Holy Spirit's trying to help us see that simply doing more or working harder is is not the answer. And it's definitely not the answer if that's what we're doing to try to compensate for, to try to make up for what would otherwise be weak or wavering faith. So we said the Christian disciplines have become the Ishmael for many modern day believers. And what we mean by that. Ishmael was the son Abraham produced by the efforts of his flesh. He then begged God to let Ishmael be an acceptable substitute for what could only be fulfilled by faith. Now, to make it clear, Christian disciplines consistently followed with the right heart towards God can help you grow in fellowship and in faith. But performing these with the wrong attitude... Make them nothing more than prideful religion and self-righteousness. They may make you feel better about yourself, but they're not doing anything to move the needle where faith and receiving from God is concerned. Now, two Wednesdays ago, we dug into John chapter 6. We're going to go back there for just a moment tonight. And what we see is that Jesus had fed a large crowd of people with, a little boy's lunch and thousands of people and it was a long day and the disciples were tired before they fed everybody and Jesus sent them on a cross ahead of where he was going the next day he stayed behind to kind of close down the meeting answer the people's questions he was very gracious and kind like that and then to spend some time with his father and then we know that he walked across the water We sang about it tonight. And the next morning, when the crowd awakened hungry again, they went to find Jesus, and Jesus wasn't there. And they got into boats, and they rowed to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now... On the surface, you would think, well, this is a good thing. These people are seeking Jesus. Does the Bible not tell us to seek Jesus? Is seeking Jesus not a Christian discipline? Should we not be impressed uh, by these people's efforts? And, and should God not reward their efforts? Well, remember the verse that we see where he rewards those who diligently seek him begins by saying, without faith it's impossible to please him. And those who come to God must believe that he is, must believe that he is, and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So in the same way that we can can display what the world may call an expression of love, give everything you have to the poor, give your body to be burned, and not genuinely have love in your heart, we see that there are things that people can do, things that they can project, things that they can say, that on, from the outside looking in would appear to be, you know, so committed, so disciplined. We see it in John two. I'm not going to turn there tonight, but we see that there were a group of people who were impressed uh, with what Jesus did, you know, at the wedding feast at Cana, and and boy, they come to Jesus and they're ready to go. And the Bible says Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in them, and he didn't need anybody to tell him what was in him, what was in those people. He knew. Now that may on the surface sound like jesus is is rejecting these people he's not rejecting them but he knows that what they're presenting outwardly is not a true reflection of what's in them inwardly and the same can be said of these people in john the sixth chapter and jesus calls them out on it when he says you didn't seek me um, because of the of the sign but because you ate the bread and you were filled and Jesus used sign there in John 6 intentionally as opposed to the miracle, although it was a miracle, but he's, he's emphasizing that the miracle of the loaves was pointing to something greater. But they weren't interested in what the miracle was pointing to. They were just interested in some more food. Now Romans 10 speaks of another group of people who struggle in the same way. And it says there that the, that they had a zeal for God, they had a zeal for God, but because it was it, but not according to knowledge. and And so they were zealous to be righteous, but because they didn't understand the righteousness of God and didn't submit themselves to His way of being right, they were left with trying to compensate for their lack of faith with zeal, with with determination, with willpower, and with effort on their part. When instead they should have submitted to God and believed Him, but they would rather take matters into their own hands and substitute hard work for their believing. Now, let's pick it up now in John 6 and 25. And when they found Jesus, found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to Him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek Me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him." So we see a willingness on these people's part to work, to labor. They rowed a boat many miles, but all in order to receive natural things. So Jesus is distinguishing the difference between the effort that's required on our part to receive natural things versus the effort that's required on our part to receive supernatural things. Back to this one dimensional approach to receiving. They understood receiving from if it's not working out, you just need to, if it's not coming fast, if the results aren't coming, if it's not working, you just need to try harder. You just need to, you need to row more. Let's just row some more, right? Well, Jesus is trying to open their eyes and our eyes to another way. And so they asked this question, verse 28. They said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Now, we're going to spend the rest of our time together going in a little different direction than we've been already in this study. And we're going to bring some of the other things that we've already talked about along with us. But these people were not seeking the person of Jesus. They were instead seeking the principles by which he operated, the principles by which he was was able to take a little bit of food and turn it into a large amount of food. And we broke this statement down. They didn't just say, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? In other words, they're saying... What do we need to do that we don't know how to do so we can do what you did yesterday? That's a lot of words, but that's that's what they're asking. That's how what shall we do that we may do, that we may work the works of God? So notice now they're they're wanting Jesus' secrets. They're 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 wanting to know because they saw him do like Nicodemus. Remember, Nicodemus saw Jesus do things that, that he knew God had to be with him. Now, he didn't know how he was doing it, but he knew it wasn't the devil. He knew God was with him, but he, he didn't fully, he didn't make a whole lot of, he didn't understand it fully, but there were some things that were just undeniable. And that's the way it was with these people. They saw what Jesus started with. They saw how many people were fed. They knew something was going on here that they didn't understand. And so they come across not, not to know more about the person who was able to do this, But instead, they sought Jesus solely for Jesus to tell them what they could do so that they could be able to do what He did. So this brings us then to another one of these, these things, if you will, that we try to substitute for weak and wavering faith. We've already talked about the disciplines. We try to substitute Christian disciplines when our faith is weak and wavering. We just double down. We just work harder. just need to pray more. You just had not prayed enough yet. You just haven't got enough people praying. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a lot of people pray. That's, if you're, you're reading something into this, you're missing the whole point of what I'm saying. Remember, Jesus himself said, do not think just because you have a lot of people praying or you've, or you've used a lot of words or you've asked a bunch of times... That, that that's going to bring the answer. Because it's more involved than that. There's more to it than that. That's a one-dimensional approach. That's back to what did Abraham learn uh, concerning the flesh. And the flesh, it appeals to the flesh to just say, look, just, just if you, somewhere along the way, you're going to ask enough times, that it's going to come a tipping point, and you're going to get the answer. And so the, so, the, so the flesh says, well, praise God, then we'll just pray all night. We're just do what's got to be done. We're gonna make this happen. That doesn't work. That's futile. It'll never work. So instead of these folks coming to, you know, like that one leper, fall at the feet of Jesus in awe of Him, to to know Him, and now that that wasn't it at all. They wanted Him to tell them His, and this word the Holy Spirit dropped in, in my heart early this morning. Is, is the word principles. Now, before we go any further, let's talk about then what a principle is. Principles are rules, ideas, or beliefs that guide our actions and behavior. Principles. Now, principles, just like disciplines, they have their place. There are all kinds of truth principles in the Scriptures that we need to know and we need to understand there are principles that in you know involve healing and the ministry of healing laying on of hands anointing with oil there are all kinds of principles that that govern prayer anything that there's a right way to do and a wrong way to do there are principles involved so the principles are important just like the christian disciplines are important They have their place, but just like the disciplines, principles are no substitute for genuine faith in God. Principles like disciplines are what we often use to try and compensate for weak and wavering faith. And disciplines and principles both, what do they appeal to? They appeal to our flesh. They appeal to our sense of doing. But again, they're no substitute for genuine faith. Another thing that disciplines as well as principles appeal to is they appeal to our flesh and reasoning. When we're trying to make sense out of something, for somebody to say, well, here's a faith principle and here's a prayer principle and and here's this and that, it's like, okay, so here's something I can use to, to work. I can, I can do according to the principle. Have you ever heard somebody say, and, and I'll probably mention this again, but if, have you ever heard somebody say, I followed the instructions to a T? Followed the instructions. I did it exactly. See, that's, again, that appeals to our sense of, of, of reasoning because because what's the idea? It's like, man, I really like that chocolate pudding right there. That is, that is so good. My mother makes one of the best chocolate puddings I've ever put in my mouth, okay? All right? And so you think, well, if I just get the recipe from her and follow that recipe exactly, then I can reproduce that banana pudding in my own house. And I won't have to get my mama to make it for me. I can do it myself if I know, back to what, what are principles, if I know the rules, if I know the ideas, if I know the beliefs, you, you know, and, and there's actually a, a show on Food Network um, where they, we see that they used to call recipes rules because the idea is each step in a recipe was a rule that you follow. And if you follow the rules, you can make the cornbread. If you follow the rules, you can produce the biscuits or you can reproduce them. So I want you to, again, according to Jesus, they didn't come because they saw the signs. They came because they ate the loaves and were filled. And now they're wanting Jesus to give them his secret recipe. Just tell us the principles involved in this, Jesus. This is, this is unlike anything we've ever seen before. It's unlike anything we've ever experienced before. It's unlike anything we've ever eaten before. So why don't you just real quick, like, we've we we we've got some pen and paper here. Tell us the recipe. Tell us the secret give us the rules give us the principles that you followed so we can go back across this water and do what you did so we can derive faith principles from the word of god but faith principles alone are not enough to get the job done Because faith in principles is not the same as faith in a person. When Jesus, Mark 11, we've turned there a bunch of times the last several months, but when Jesus spoke to the fig tree... And the fig tree the next morning was withered up by the root, withered up from the roots and, and dead. And he had the disciples' attention. He did not say to them, Have faith in the principles that I used to do this. See, we, what we get from that many times from that story is we look at that story. And, and just like these folks that rode across the water to talk to Jesus, we, wanna, we, we look real close at what Jesus did. Well, you know, he, he spoke to the tree and, um, and he walked off and he acted like it was already. We, we, and I'm not, listen to me, please. I'm not saying that that's negative or wrong. But what makes it wrong is when we think that if we can somehow reduce the whole miracle working process down to a list of rules to be followed. Let me say this. uh, So what did Jesus say? He said, have faith in God. I think sometimes we, we hear... If you will do this exactly the way I did it, you know, you can do it too. If you if you just if you'll learn what I said and the way I said it and the attitude that was in my you know, all these other things. What we don't realize is that the power of God is what is what killed that fig tree. It killed it, right? I mean killed it dead. Were there principles involved? Yes. Is there a right way and a wrong way to do it? Yes. Did Jesus do it correctly? Yes. But he didn't say have faith in the principles. He didn't say have faith in the process. Is there a process? Is there a pattern for us to look at and learn from and follow? Absolutely. But see, we can learn and do patterns. We can learn and do process. We can learn and follow rules and principles and leave God completely out of the picture and miss... Are you following? Are you, I understand what I'm saying here. They're his principles, and they won't work without him. He's seen to it that you can't leave him at home. You can't leave him out of the equation and reproduce the same results. And that's what the people, you know, they like, okay, well, just tell us how to do it, and we won't need you, Jesus, we'll go home and do it ourselves. Jesus did not say, pay close attention to these principles and use them anytime you're in a jam. He said, have faith in God. Genuine faith must come first and corresponding action must come second. Consider carefully the word corresponding. It's speaking of a co-response. You cannot compensate for weak and wavering faith by doubling down on the principles. Now, stay with me. I'm going to show you some examples of this in Scripture, okay? Are you still good? You still with me? So confidence in a principle... Is good. I am confident in the faith confession principle. I am confident that it's in the Word of God. I am confident that it's something that we should do. It's, I'm confident that it's a valid part of our walk with God. To, today, it's something that is 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 that we should be following. It's Jesus's example, Abraham's example. But confidence in a principle is not the same as faith in God. And one of the things, listen to me very carefully now, one of the things that has misled a lot of people into thinking that they are stronger in faith and have increased in faith more than they actually have is that we think growing in faith principles, growing in our understanding of faith principles is somehow the same thing as growing in faith. But there are a lot of people who know a lot of faith principles but they have not grown in faith. Because the only way you grow in faith is by exercising your faith, is by actually using your faith. We, for the most part, now maybe not everybody listening to me online, but those folks in the room this evening, I would say almost 100% of us were raised in a Western culture. And in a Western culture, the emphasis is placed upon principles. In a Western culture, you you can go to school and get a master's degree in business administration and possibly never have a professor that's actually ran a business. They teach you every kind of business principle in the world. But knowing every business principle there is to know is not the same thing as actually running a business. Does that mean the principles that they taught you in school were wrong? No. Same is true, let's use tithing for an example. You can know everything there is to know from the Bible about tithing. You can write books on tithing, teach seminars on tithing, have a, have a, a, you know, a prescription website that covers tithing, but you'll never know tithing until you tithe. Growing in faith is much more than simply growing in our understanding of faith principles. so john 663 john 663 we're skipping we skipped over a lot of stuff we'll come back maybe in the in the days ahead and look at some of the things we skipped over but we're still Jesus is still talking to these same people and he says it's the spirit who gives life the flesh profits nothing the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life now the holy spirit helped me connect this verse with another one that we've actually mentioned throughout our study together, but I never really considered them as closely connected as, as they actually are. And the other verse that I want you to see is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, and it says this, "...who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life." So we see these two... Uh, uh, truths from the Word of God. Jesus said, The flesh profits nothing, the Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says, The letter killeth, the Spirit gives life. Now this is where, I, I mentioned this a moment ago, the expression, Follow the instructions to the letter, or follow them to a T. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, the word uh, translated into our English word, Letter is, is the Greek word gramma, the gramma. And the gramma or the letter is speaking of the external, fixed, and governing principles. The external, fixed, and governing principles. Now, there's a lot of key words here. Obviously, we're talking about governing principles, but the key word with gramma as it relates to this particular verse is the word external. Because faith is not external. Faith is internal. With the heart one believes. If you believe and do not doubt in your heart. So a principle is something external. Faith is something internal. So the grammar speaks of the external, fixed, and governing principles. The pneuma that's the spirit. The numa speaks of the internal, dynamic, and energizing person of God. Remember, remember when they asked, why do you seek the living among the dead when they were looking for Jesus on resurrection Sunday morning? Why, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Well, we could use the same expression when we're trying to find supernatural answers among the external principles are you are you following what I'm saying not I keep saying this over and over again and I do not want you to misunderstand what I'm saying the principles are based on the word of God they're fixed they're eternal it's an established pattern we need to learn from it and follow it I'm I'm, I'm not trying to negate any of that it's it's not that there's something wrong with the principles it's what we're trying to make the principles accomplish that they were never meant to accomplish there's no substitute for faith in the person of God. When he said believe that you've already received, what he's implying is believe that you've already received from God, not believe that you've already received because you've got all the principles right and in the right order. Can you take a little more tonight? Can we go a little further? All right, let's go. Let's go. Um, so what does the letter appeal to? The grammar appeals to the flesh. Just tell me what I need to do. Just tell me what I need to do. You you remember um, the the rich young ruler? Just tell me what I need to do. He didn't didn't come to, to find Jesus as his answer. He came to get Jesus to tell him his answer. There's a big difference there between seeing Jesus as the answer right him his person jesus didn't say i have truth he said i am true jesus didn't say i'll tell you the way he said i am the way he didn't say come to me and i'll I'll give you some life he said i am the life see people came to jesus like they would go to the other gurus and religious leaders and whatever of the day and they would go to him like they would go to those other men and they would say okay tell us what we need to do and then we're going to go do it they wanted principles And they were used to searching for principles. Jesus came to offer us more than principles. He came to offer us Himself. All right, now let's let's look at this. James chapter 5, verses 39 and 40. Jesus speaking to those religious leaders. He said, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Now he's talking to men who were among the most diligent Scripture searchers who have ever lived. Jesus was more than likely speaking to men who could quote the Old Testament from memory, frontwards and backwards. They had memorized it. They had searched it. And notice Jesus says, You search them, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. So let's talk about it for a moment. What are they searching for? They're searching for eternal life. Now, if you just read this and that's all you knew about the Bible, you would think, the way Jesus said it, that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about eternal life. But the Bible has a whole lot to say about eternal life, does it not? But now, notice, it's not that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about eternal life. It's that they're trying to find a principle in the Scriptures that will give them eternal life, and they're missing the true source of eternal life, which is revealed from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible. Now, do the Scriptures have plenty to say about eternal life? Yes, but now, let's go back to it, though. We take for granted what we know about eternal life Because of the New Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet, okay? So the scriptures that this group would have been searching would have been the Old Testament scriptures. And if we're going to be honest about it, eternal life is in and talked about in the Old Testament scriptures, but you have to look very closely to find it. For example, one example, David says in Psalm 23 that he may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, okay? But the Bible in the Old Testament is not as, how do I say this, is not as clear and as direct as far as eternal life is concerned in the Old Testament as we see in the New Testament. And what we also see is that although the Old Testament speaks of eternal life, it doesn't give us any real clear pattern as to how a person can actually obtain eternal life. Now, in the New Testament, we know that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But see, we haven't jumped over into John chapter 3 now. That wasn't in the Old Testament. Are you still with me? So these men who were diligent searchers of the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, they could find different places where this concept of living forever, dwelling forever, having eternal life, so to speak, you know was was mentioned in there but no real clear pattern as to how to have that and this was the thinking of the rich young ruler he comes to jesus because i believe he had already asked a whole bunch of other religious leaders what must he do what are the guidelines what are the principles what are the rules what are the ideas what are the beliefs what are the practices What's got to be done to live forever? I believe he had already asked a lot of the other religious leaders. The, the Sadducees didn't even believe in, in life after death, so forget them, right? And it, But the, the Pharisees did. But no one could give him an answer that satisfied him. So this is why he comes to Jesus. And he's like... I, You say, Pastor, you're you're reading something into this. If I am, please forgive me. But I believe the attitude that, that the rich young ruler had was, Jesus, I've asked everybody else and nobody can give me a clear answer. Could you tell me what guidelines, what principles I have to live by in order to have eternal life? He's making the same mistake everybody else was making. It's not what you have to do. It's who you have to believe. Thank you, Jesus. So again, faith in a person is not the same as faith in a principle. I have believed, therefore I have spoken. Can you take one more? One more and then we'll finish this next week, okay? We see in Acts chapter 3 and verse 16 where... Um, the uh, Peter and John bring uh, minister healing to a man who was lame, who was crippled. And it was an undeniable miracle. And they get called on the carpet in front of the religious establishment. And they want to know by what means. And they said, hey, don't you think for one minute that our godliness... Has made this man whole. Now, godliness doesn't have any of the names of God in it whatsoever. Godliness here has more to do with piety. That's why if you read godliness and find that word in the New Testament, it's not capital G O D L I N E S S. It's lowercase G O D L I N E S S. And godliness here has to do with, with religious rigor, with religious routine. It has to, it has to do with 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 following um, a a a right lifestyle, a right living, a, a godly lifestyle, a, a pious, which, which means um, you know we think of somebody that's piety or pious, if somebody that religious nose in the air, not necessarily. So it's it's a good word. Add to your faith, godliness, discipline, principled life, living your life according to godly principles. But they made it known real quick-like that this man's healing was not a result of their adherence to godliness. That doesn't mean they were living loose, immoral lives. But it means that they understood that this miracle wasn't something that that they could take credit for or have pride in because they were simply instruments of the one, capital T, capital O, who is the healer, Jesus. And they said it this way. They said, faith, his name, name represents him. Jesus, the name of Jesus. His name through faith in his name has made this man whole. Not anything that we did, that we conjured up. Does that mean they threw principles out the window? No, They learned some principles from Jesus. And we see those principles in action, in use, in the healing of this man. But it wasn't the principle that healed him. It wasn't their godliness that brought the healing. It was Jesus who healed that man. Jesus healed him. And they were used by him to do it. All right, now, that's Acts chapter 3, verse 16. In Acts chapter 19, verse 13 we see the seven sons of Siva or Sceva. I like to say Sceva, but it may I think the actual pronunciation is Siva. And they decide that they're going to cast the demon out of this man. And they say to this man, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. So one of the principles that we see, a prayer principle is to pray in the name of Jesus. A prayer principle is to speak the name of Jesus. A prayer principle is to bind and loose in the name of Jesus. It's delegated authority. That is a valid biblical principle that we've taught on around here for years that I'm sure you use. Amen? Now notice these men picked up on this principle because they evidently had seen Paul cast out demons in the name of Jesus And so they took it upon themselves to do what they had seen Paul do. And so they're well-versed in the principle, and they use the principle of taking the name of Jesus and casting out demons. And so they say to the demon-possessed man, there's seven of them now, we adjure you, we command you, we take authority over you. In Jesus' name, you come out of him. And the demon says... (laughs) Now, let's see here. We, we know who Jesus is, and we know who Paul is. No, see, no, see, that's fellowship. That's re- that, are you following me? So we, we, have, we have no idea who you are. Did the demons come out of that man? No. Instead, that man, super empowered by those demons, jumped on those seven boys and beat them almost senselessly. So, do we conclude from that? Do we, do we just say, well, we we'll just throw this whole name of Jesus stuff out the window because it doesn't work? Absolutely not. So, I'm asking you to make a comparison here. Do you see Peter and John using the name of Jesus, bringing healing, versus people who have a principle but no faith? They have no fellowship. They have, they have no understanding of who, whose name they're actually using when they adjure. So again, praying and speaking, and stand with me tonight, praise God. Praying and speaking in Jesus' name is a principle. We're instructed to do it. And great power and authority resides in the name of Jesus. But we clearly see different results in this situation. Because again, it's not faith in a principle. Are you hearing me? It's not faith in a principle. It's faith in a person. It's faith in Jesus. Have faith in God. God, oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I almost wish we could just all sit around a table and talk about this. Because I... Amen. Everything we do, we do by faith. And, and one of the one of the mistakes that I've made, and I've gotten better. And thanks be to God who gives me the victory. But I try to read people's faces. A pastor, a, a teacher, a minister, longs to feel a connection with the people that 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 he or she is ministering to. You know, it's like are you, are you are you getting this? Are you laying hold of this? Are You understanding this? Is making sense to you? And I'm not, listen, don't be mad at me. I just, your faces aren't telling me anything tonight, okay? And that's all right. I'm doing it by faith. I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm not trying to frustrate you. But, and I'm, and I'm not, I'm just saying, Lord show us and he's showing us. It's like, well, you know, not quite there in my faith, but we'll just make up for it with some extra effort. And this whole principle thing—it's like, well, you know, we just we just keep working, we just keep working these principles. We just keep doing what these principles are. That's getting the cart before the horse. As important as they are, they can never compensate for weaker wavering faith. Father, thank you tonight. our time together and lord your words very clear i'm to read the scriptures and make the sense but father every person listening to me right now is supposed to take what they hear and learn lord uh, in this room uh, and search it out for themselves and, and and take it before you and lord i i am certain that you are speaking these things to us here at heritage and those that are joined to us through technology and the internet and live streaming, Father that, that you are bringing some understanding and some correction. Father, it can be very frustrating when we seemingly have mastered all the faith principles but still are not seeing the kind of results that that we know we should be seeing based upon your word. Lord help help us help us see where. And Lord, maybe, maybe this isn't for everybody. You know, maybe some folks are well past this. Um, but Lord, again, if, if, we're, if we're trying to double down on the disciplines and, and just become more skilled at the principles uh, to compensate for what is otherwise weak and wavering faith, show us that, Father. Show us that. Because using your name as a principle and and making a faith confession, it's a principle, Father. You've taught us that. It's clear. We see it in your word. But it can't be a substitute for knowing in whom we have believed and being persuaded, fully persuaded, that you were able to keep that which we've committed to you against that day. Father, we love you. Thank you for a wonderful rest of our week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here this evening. You're beautiful. You're awesome. God is good to us. Amen. Amen. Tell somebody around you good things coming. We'll see you Sunday, if not before. Praise God.